I think we need to do one more thing, and that is to stand. And we are family. And before we applaud, um, I would like for everyone just to go ahead uh, and high-five some people next to you. Just go ahead and do that. Just high-five some people. Amen. Amen. See, I, why I'm saying that is because for people to be water baptized, they need to be born again. For people to be born again, they need to hear the gospel. And that came from you. And so I want to applaud you for being the family that you are and for preaching the gospel with your life. And uh, next service, again, 21 or, or so uh, people, and then the third service, many more, will be water baptized. And I'll just tell you, it's because you are walking in the kingdom of God, because you are living out that life. And God is blessing us. God is moving in a mighty way. And so what I want to do is applaud for all those that were water baptized. And the applause is not just because they got wet. <laughs> Amen. And not because the guys didn't hold them under. You know, I know some of you were trying to pay them to hold them under. But, but uh, you know, everyone got out of there alive in Jesus. Amen? And uh, we're not applauding for that. What we are applauding is because victory is now at hand in their lives. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the word that you're going to give us today. Lord, I submit my tongue, I submit my heart, I submit my spirit, everything about me, Lord, to be able to speak what you want us to hear. Thank you, Lord, for hearts that are open, ears that are open to hear what you have to say to us collectively and as individuals. Blessings upon blessings on each person here today, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you as you are seated. We began quite a while ago a series called Proclaiming the Future. You can go online, you can listen to that, you can also, uh, real soon, we'll be putting the uh, CDs and everything together uh, so that you can listen to them in your vehicle or at home. And we entitled it again, Proclaiming Your Future, basically speaking the words of God speaking the truth of what God says so that you can see your future come to pass. Each one of you are so gifted. You have to recognize that. We talked about that, how gifted you are, how anointed you are and can be if you will understand the truth of God's word and what he says. And when you understand it, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's something about the heart there that God, when we became born again, our spirit became brand new and our soul is still there. So there is that dividing of the soul and the spirit. But when you, in your heart, take authority over your soul person, you take authority over that and then you begin to speak the words of God, your future is great. Because we found out also in Ephesians chapter 1 that God before the foundation of this earth already planned your future. Jeremiah 29 says that it's good 
And as we continue to look in the Word of God with all the evil, all the the evil words and the wrong words spoken to you, I want you to understand God's words are true. God's future is yea and amen for you. You can live that life. And for all of you that were water baptized, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of what God is doing in your life. Did you know that some got water baptized? They'd never been water baptized, and they've been saved for decades. I'm not going to say that many years, but for decades. And they got water baptized. Why? Because they know the power of what that means. They declared in their action that Jesus Christ is Lord. We learn God is is the only one who can tame your tongue also. We learn that, that we have responsibility in this taming. We also are learning the language. What, what does the Bible call it? Heaven's language. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, some questions that we have answered, some questions that we can, can ask even today in our message today is this. How do we have a tamed tongue? What should we say? What are the, how should we speak? You know, there's such a, a, a difficulty in the church today of how you're supposed to speak, how you're supposed to talk. You know, if you're too positive, then you're proud. You know, and, and, and if, if you're too negative, then, then you must not be born again or you must not have the word in you. Let me just tell you, God has said something in his word, and he said this, I have planned your future. So why not just talk about it? You're not bragging on yourself. You're bragging on God. You're bragging on the Lord Jesus Christ who came to this earth, lived this life yet without sin, was was crucified and raised again on the third day. See, it's about salvation, but it's not only about salvation. Salvation gives you victory. And he also gives you the ability to live it out. Another question is, when should we say it? There's such confusion in our life, and people are always monitoring what people are saying. Let me just tell you, um, I am not going to teach monitor other people's words. I'm teaching, God is saying, monitor your own words. Amen? And build God's truth and faith and ability in your heart. So, we have a responsibility. The Bible says no man can tame the tongue, but God can and will tame your tongue. This truth does not tell us that we don't have responsibility because we do. And we're going to talk about what responsibility do you and I have with our mouth. We have a responsibility to control our tongue. It is to bridle our tongues so God can tame it. Our responsibility is to bridle our tongues. God's responsibility is to tame it. Scripture says, matter of fact, church, you need to proclaim your future. I'll say it again. Church, you need to proclaim your future. One more time. Proclaim your future. Amen? Scripture says, the man who doesn't bridle his tongue, his service to God is useless. So if... Scripture says that 
then I need to, one of the most important things in my life is to bridle my tongue. And you know what? I still struggle with that too. How many of you struggle with that? See, when you put a bridle on a wild horse, does that tame that horse immediately? No, it doesn't. The horse is still wild, and it will take time to tame that horse. That's the same way with your tongue. Some of you have been born again for years, and all of a sudden, something happens. You start speaking and saying things, and you walk away from that situation, and you go, where in the world did that come from? It came from a tongue that wasn't bridled. It will take some time to tame your tongue, but you need to start taking responsibility to put a bridle on your tongue. So this is what we're going to talk about today. And and the three points, and normally I don't do this, but I'm going to give you the three points right away, and then we're going to cover it. First of all, we need to pause. We need to ponder. And we need to pray. We need to pause. We need to ponder. And we need to pray. I use the same letter because... That helps me remember too. Again, how do we bridle our tongues so God can tame our tongues? The first that I gave you was to pause. In other words, don't say anything. Sometimes I need to, okay, I'll use the other term, we need to just reach up and close our lips and keep them shut. Anybody can relate to that? Yeah. See, it's better to not say anything than to say something that is the wrong thing. Amen? Learn to bridle your tongue. Scripture says, why do we say this? Scripture says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Think of the gravity of that statement. Think of the gravity of that truth. If we believe that Scripture is truth, then we know we are either speaking life or we are speaking death. Wouldn't we want to bridle the tongue? Life and death Scripture is found in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 18.21. And I have always, uh, I learned this from someone else, but I've always told people, you know, you need to read a proverb a chapter every single day. There are 31 Proverbs, and if you have 30 days in, in a, a month, then just read on the 30th day, read two chapters. But you need to read a proverb because there's a lot in Proverbs. Matter of fact, in Proverbs, there are three major themes. Here are the themes in Proverbs. Your morals, your money, and your mouth. Your morals, your money, and your mouth. If you ever had a problem with any of these three things, then you need to read in the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs is going to help you. So let's look at some Proverbs that tell us how to bridle our mouth. And I want to tell you, you're going to laugh at these, and we're going to have some fun. And if I see some sourpuss face, I know you haven't bridled your tongue. Because it's bringing destruction to your joy. Amen. Bringing destruction to your joy. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. 
This one would be good to memorize. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. (laughs) Notice, he who guards his mouth, he who restrains his lips. We have that responsibility. See, it's not God's, it's my responsibility to restrain my mouth, to make sure that my mouth is not speaking death, that my mouth is speaking life. And and let me just tell you, speaking death isn't just saying, I hate you, you're worthless, you're no good. Speaking death is speaking opposite of vision, is speaking opposite of what God has proclaimed in your life, or speaking against something that someone else is doing that God spoke to them. Sometimes that we have to have an opinion on everything. And the Bible says, no, you have the responsibility. Sometimes your opinion doesn't matter in that situation. What matters is you help that person get to the place where God wants them to be. See, this is another sermon that God told me. He says, if you're going to talk about this, which he gave it to me, he says, they're going to be real quiet on you. So, so when I begin guarding my mouth and restraining my lips, then God can tame my tongue. The taming of my tongue cannot happen until I do my responsibility. I need to discipline myself and learn that I don't need to be talking all the time for the world to be orbiting. The world does not spin on what I say. The world spins on what God says. Amen? The world spins on what God says. And God is saying some things uh, to us, and he's saying, listen, I love you. I have given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. I've given you the gifts that you have. I have gone before you and I have set things in order so that my plans for you will succeed. But I've given you a responsibility and in that responsibility, you begin to speak it into existence in your life. Proverbs 17, 27. This is my responsibility. He who has knowledge spares his words And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Verse 28 says, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. (laughs) Have you ever known somebody that knows everything? You know, and, and after they talk for a while, you figure out they don't know everything. Because what they're saying is, is not true. So this verse is saying, <laughs> if I shut my lips, people would think I was smart or wise. But when I open my mouth, it leaves no doubt <laughs> of who I am. Wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's found in Scripture. Proverbs eighteen thirteen: He who answers a matter before he hears it It is folly and shame to him. (laughs) Have you ever done that? 
okay? Let me explain what we've all done. Don't finish someone else's sentences. Let them talk too. See, you got quiet again. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. This math says, if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you won't have an anger problem. You know, since I've been teaching this series, I have found I still have a problem listening. I have, I have read this, I've studied this out, and here it is. I am saying, Gary, just pause, learn to listen better. I've had conversations with people, and they're talking about their children and the situation with their children, <laughs> and the parents asked me, do you have anyone in your family that has ADD like my family? And I'm watching a bird outside. I didn't hear a word they said. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not listening. And, and so part of speaking your future is also listening. Because let me just say this to you. There are a lot of very wise, intelligent anointed people around you that when you would sit and hear their words, you would learn. But here's the greatest fact, is that when you become born again, the Holy Spirit resides inside you. And let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit said, I will tell you what Jesus tells me. He says, I listen first and then I'm going to tell you. See, he's exemplifying inside you. You have the ability to move in your life and to be able to grow because the Holy Spirit does the same thing and teaches us, and the Holy Spirit is there to guide you. But my question to you is, are you listening? See, the conclusion is this. If we have a problem with talking too much, it's that we're not listening enough. So what I have done is I have stole away. I have literally locked the doors. I have closed doors. And I've sat and I've listened. Because my personality is to constantly move, get things done, do things, and accomplish things, and, and, and break spiritual bondages, and and minister to people and speak the word so that they would be healed, diseases would fall off of them, walking in the anointing that God has given me. But God says, I want you to understand, if you're going to see the fullness of my call in your life, then what God's told me, uh, maybe he's not telling you this, but he's telling me this, shut my mouth and listen. Shut my mouth and listen. Because God is trying to say something to you. And the first thing that you're going to hear when God speaks to you is how much he loves you. I don't comprehend how people feel that God doesn't love them. Because that's everything that he does, it comes out of love. I've got to the place where I understand it. Because sometimes people struggle and they've been hurt and, and stuff is going on and all the things that are going on in their life. 
and, and their, their focus is on that, and they're not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just saying to you, listen very intently. God loves you. He's given you absolutely everything you need to accomplish and to walk through the pain of life. The Bible says in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's got the answer for your situation. But sometimes we haven't squeezed our lips long enough to pause and listen to what he says. Here's the second. We need to ponder. How do you bridle your tongue? We need to ponder. Ponder means to think before you speak. Oops. To think before you speak. How many times uh, have you have said something and wished you thought it through? How many times have you said things and you thought, I should not have said that. I should have thought a little bit longer. See, there are three types of people in the world. <laughs> those who think before they talk. Here's a second. Those who think while they talk. Here's a third. Those who think after they talk. Matter of fact, I just added another one this morning. Those who never think. Amen. Those who never think. Now, sometimes we say, let me think out loud. You know, I understand that. Because you just got to say it. You know, this is what I think. This is what I feel. But when words are so important and powerful, see, these words we learned in this series, they connect us to God and they connect us to each other. Our words can be life or our words can be death. So we ought to think before we say any words. We have brothers and sisters in our congregation that are battling diseases in their bodies. It's not their diseases. It's not their cancer. It's not their arthritis. It's not ours to have. It is illegal in our bodies. It's not supposed to be there. God has given us an ability to be able to speak faith-filled words. So for me to be around someone who literally is battling a disease in their life and not think about the words that I am saying to them, that would break my heart if I could hear recordings through the years of things that I shouldn't have said. So the question then is, when you have thoughts, then where are these thoughts? Where, where do these thoughts come from? The answer, of course, your thoughts are in your mind. But I want to show you something that Scripture talks about, and science proves it. But I want to just talk to you a little bit uh, today. Listen very closely. The Bible tells us we think somewhere else also. You think in your heart also. Your heart thinks. So let me show you some verses in a moment. But by the way, the thoughts in your mind, 
you can hear and the thoughts in your heart you cannot hear until you give time to think in your heart, it then will get to your mind. There needs to be a planting. There needs to be uh, this, this literal pondering. There needs to be this, this chewing on the word of God and chewing on truth and denying falsity. And to begin to do that so that your heart then begins to speak to your mind and your mind will then begin to change. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So our mind is always thinking, 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 and we want to say it, say it, say it, say it. But the Bible says that we need to ponder in our heart so that our mind gets the substance of what God is wanting to say out of our mouth. And when we understand that, the the Bible says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your heart has such a power for your life if you will understand that just to ponder things a little bit longer and begin to think through not what feels good, not what doesn't feel good, but what has God said and what we are to do with that. Because sometimes God tells us to do something that's uncomfortable. Sometimes God will tell us to to do something that it doesn't feel good. And so if I'm running around looking for just feel good, I will never hear the fullness of what God has for me. Hmm. Luke 2.19 says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary thought about them in her heart before she acted. Luke 2.35, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Luke 9.47, and Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. And then Jesus began to teach them of what they were thinking in their heart. Matthew 9.4 says, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Because evil was in their heart, their mind thought evil. Jesus wouldn't have said this if you can't think with your heart. Matthew 15, 19, Jesus said this, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, as we have seen that, that this is, this is truth because it's biblical, the Word of God can discern the thoughts of your heart. So your heart thinks. That's why we need to ponder before we speak. And what do you ponder on? You ponder on what God says first. And then you speak. It gets in your heart and it changes and it transforms your thinking. Well, let me read you a part of a medical publication where science is discovering a heart can think. This is what science is. Science is man trying to discover what God already knows. I love science. That was my favorite subject in school. I loved every aspect, cellular, molecular, you know, all the different little surgeries you would do. I I loved all that stuff. 
But I want you to understand is that science only is trying to figure out what God already knows. So when some transplant patients receive their new hearts, this is what science tells us, they discovered that their previous owners had donated a few thoughts to them as well. After recovering from, they should make a movie about that. They did, by the way. After recovering from their operations, several recipients started recounting incidents that occurred in their donors' lives. A 52-year-old man loved classical music, but after being given a heart of a teenage boy, suddenly discovered that he loved rock music. A man who received a heart from a woman who was hit by a train had reoccurring dreams about train wrecks. After a young boy received his heart transplant, he awoke and told his mother, everything is copacetic. He never used that word before, they said. They later learned the donors and his wife used that word frequently to reassure each other after they had an argument. After an eight-year-old girl's received, eight-year-old girl received a heart from a murdered child, she had nightmares and described the circumstance of her donor's death in such detail the police were able to capture the murderer and later convicted him. So when the Bible talks about bridling our tongue, one of the major aspects of bridling your tongue is getting the word in your heart to ponder in your heart and to, to begin to think about what am I to do? What am I to say? The Bible knows what it's talking about that your heart thinks. But this is what I want you to see. We are trying to bridle our tongues we are to think before we speak. And the reason is, watch this, we not only think with our minds, but our heart also. So if you're born again, the Bible says you have a new heart, a redeemed, a converted heart, so that ponder and let your heart give your mind some righteous thoughts. That's the difference between the soul, and the spirit, that you begin to think righteous thoughts. What does this mean? Which means when you do this, you speak life to the person, not death. When people say things like, why does God allow that to happen? Why does God do? You understand why. Because there's evil in this world. There are evil people. Why do people go to a bar and, and get drunk and then go drive when they know that's not right? Because there's, there's evil thoughts. There's thoughts in their heart is, I want to go get drunk. It's about me. But when righteousness comes in, their righteousness says, I'm not going to get drunk. And matter of fact, if you have struggling with all that area, that if you do drink, that you're not going to drive. Amen. I'm not trying to be prude here. I'm, you know, I'm really trying to, this is life, isn't it? 
The people struggle in areas of their life, and we need to stop judging people for their struggle, but we need to understand is that the reason why most people do the things that they do is because there's evil in their heart, and there's not righteous thinking. They don't ponder. They don't think it through, and they do things. Or because of the evil in their heart, that's all they ever think about. Everyone hates me. No one loves me. I'm ugly. And the Bible tells us that God created you beautiful and handsome. That God gave you such gifting. You are so vital and important to this world. You are so vital and important to the kingdom of God. So we need to ponder and speak from your heart. So instead of saying something to someone from the top of your head, why don't you say something from the bottom of your heart? So pause and ponder are two ways of bridling your tongue. And here's the third one, which I believe is the most important. They all are important, but I believe the most important. Pray. I've been waiting to show you this. In Isaiah, Isaiah has an encounter with God. And in the presence of God, Isaiah is convicted immediately about an area of his life. And the area Isaiah is convicted about is found in Isaiah 6. And we're going to read it in Isaiah 6, verse 1 through 4. Look at what, what God is doing with Isaiah. This is a man of God. This is a godly, righteous man. And look what he says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Look at Isaiah's reaction to it. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Why is Isaiah undone? Let's continue verse 5. Because I am a man of unclean lips. In God's presence, Isaiah is convicted regarding his mouth. Let's continue verse 5. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Now Isaiah is ready to go out and face the world. And this is what I see here. I need an encounter with God every morning and see his holiness because I have unclean lips, but all who dwell around me do also. There's not one person in this house that could say that you've been perfected in your lips. That's why our responsibility is to bridle it. God touched Isaiah's lips 
And Isaiah heard his voice. The voice says, be quick to hear what God says. But here's what I want to say. Spiritually, think of the symbolism here. And I want to close with this. Think about the three baptisms that we have talked about in this series. Baptism of salvation, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. Baptism of water, that you go down with Christ in death and you raise up in new life with great power and victory over sin and over things that held you in bondage. Hmm. Then the last thing, which I believe is a gift from God that absolutely overwhelms any negativity or difficulty that we have with our lips. Even though we have not been perfected, we, have, we are like that wild horse. There's a bridle there, but we're still a little bit wild, aren't we? We still got some stuff in our lives. And so what God has given us is spirit baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in that, with a presence of words given by God that come out of our mouths called tongues. Heavenly language. A language that is spoken through your spirit, that you literally begin to speak a heavenly language. We learned that some of this, at the very beginning of this, that was given to mankind, that at some would speak even another language that they didn't know, but it was a language of the earth, but also there's a heavenly language. Isaiah goes into the presence of God and is convicted of his sin. He admits it to God, and then Isaiah gets cleansed. That coal on his lips. Jesus said, your iniquity has been taken away. That's called salvation. We have our salvation. We are baptized in water. And then we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, the old man is cut away. And as we have found, the language that was taken away in the Tower of Babel has now been restored. God has given you a power to anoint your lips, to anoint your mouth, to be able to walk in a power that no man has other than God giving it. God wants to restore that in you. Did you know in the past few weeks we have had 11 people baptized in the Holy Spirit? We were just talking about it. That's how important it is to God. I'm going to ask that everyone would stand. And if you are here and you are visiting with us, we just want to say to you, it's just so amazing that you're here. Thank you for coming and experiencing uh, the water baptism of those that you knew. If, if the Lord just brought you here, welcome. But I want to say this is a church that is a family church that loves one another. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever tell you that. We're not perfect. But we serve a perfect God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three in one. We are a church that is a giving church. But we are a church that wants 
the whole gospel and not just part of it. The whole gospel is this, that you are saved, you get water baptized, victory over sin, and now you walk in a power that will tame your mouth. Not only the word of God, but the restored language will tame your tongue. So instead of speaking death to your future, you now will begin speaking life and you will walk in abundance. I'm just going to, without even praying at this time, if there is anyone here, you say, Pastor, I've been sitting here and listening to this, this series and I have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would love that to happen in my life. Well, folks, we've been telling you, we're gonna have folks in the back that are going to be praying for you. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I would like and ask if you're up in the balcony, if you're down here, if you would go ahead right now, just make your way to the front. Go ahead, just come on down. If anyone here wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you make your way on up to the front. Just go ahead real quickly, real quickly. Just come on over. Let people out from their, they're coming from down upstairs. Come on, very quickly, very quickly. That's right. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and walk up to the to the middle here. Thank you. Oh, I love it when I see the young people coming down. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on over. Okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray. And I'm gonna thank the Lord for his gift to you. You are born again. If you're not, this is what they're gonna do with you in the choir room, they're gonna ask you, do you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And if you do, you'll confess it, you'll be born again. That instant, the Holy Spirit resides in your spirit. Your spirit becomes brand new. Then, the Holy Spirit wants to charge you with this amazing anointing of the gift of tongues. So we're gonna ask that you would go ahead, honey, are you gonna guide them. If you could follow her and my wife, you would go ahead. And the church is going to pray for you as you go. Go ahead. Give them a great hand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hasn't this been rich today? Hasn't this been just amazing? This is what God wants every single day. Us excited about what he's done for us. Can we pray for those that go went to the back? Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. That is not something we work for. It's not something we earn. It is a gift of God. Lord, we release that now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for each person that is here. That their lives are different because they've seen truth in front of their eyes. They've seen men and women, boys and girls, 
proclaim, I am born again. I choose to live a righteous life. Thank you, Lord, for that. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon this congregation, each home that is represented. Lord, I proclaim in Jesus' name that every home just is overwhelmed with your love today. Life-changing results take place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we leave,